0: Right. Well, good morning, Sanctuary Church. So excited to be with you guys here this morning, and uh, there's there's so much to say because uh, I know that Armando was with you guys last week. I went to youth group with him uh, when I was a kid, and Rod was our youth leader. He he actually discipled me when I first got saved. Um, I was just a kid going to Redlands High School, trying to be cool, and uh, they had a concert over there and I went forward to receive the Lord and, uh, at 15 and walked into the prayer room, and Rod was sitting there, and I prayed with him, and he gave me a Bible, and he wrote in it. I was actually looking for it yesterday. I was super bummed that uh, I couldn't find it, but hopefully I can find that Bible, and he wrote in there, uh, February 1st, 1985, this day you are saved. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and man, my life has actually completely changed since then, and it's been so... Uh, amazing. <laughs> uh, over the years, I, I might have come in contact with many of you through different things. I was a youth pastor at Calvary San Bernardino uh, for about 10 years. Uh, so actually, I've known some of you from uh, those days. Uh, I used to do a radio program locally around here called Reality Rock, and uh, that was on 90.1 and 89.7 Or I don't even remember the station anymore so long ago. But uh, any of you guys listen to that back in the day? You know, we had the concerts at the Redlands Bowl, Rock of Love, and all of that. And that was just an amazing, amazing time, right? But uh, I just wanted to show a picture of my tribe. And uh, this is my family here. Um, And uh, I've got two kids. We've been, my wife and I have been married 22 years. And uh, we're having such a fun time. We live in Yucaipa. Uh, just on Fremont and E Street there. So it just took me about less than 10 minutes to get here. And uh, my wife, she's been a, a great support. We both were in youth ministry for many years. She was actually uh, working in youth ministry at her Baptist church up in Sacramento uh, when we met. And um, she's, she sings in the worship team. And actually just, this is such a trip, but just last year, she took a full-time position as the librarian here at this school. <laughs> <All> right, so... <laughs> my daughter, Jaden, she's 11. She loves everything NASA. She likes robots and all that stuff. She just uh, learned how to surf last week, and uh, it's been super fun. My son, Levi, he's addicted to Legos. He knows how to help and put things together, and, uh, but we're having a fun time uh, growing up here in Ukaipa, But Ukaipa uh, is still sort of new for us. It's Uh, I grew up in Redlands, going to Redlands High School, and uh, I don't know if you noticed, but there's this migration happening a little bit east up on the 10, and people are coming up to Beaumont and uh, from some of the west sides, and it's been happening for what, like the last 15 years and even more so now, and uh, I've been a part of that migration. And uh, so we've been up in Yucaipa for about four years now, and it's a little different there should be a training school for people that live in Yucaipa because we bought uh, this large property, uh, older home, did a full renovation, got about halfway through, we're out of money and it's just, it's there, it's, it's ours, but it's there and then in the back is all of the weeds, okay, so, and we've tried absolutely every program. We, at first, we were out there with the weed whackers. And changing the string every two minutes and forget that. And then I just got a rider mower and just plow it all over and did that. And the belt broke and it's been sitting for a year. And uh, then we did the goat plan. We had some goats, right? And uh, you know how that turns out, right? Uh, the gate fell down and they all got out one night and they were partying all night long and having a good time. And... Um, and then one of them got taken out by a coyote, and okay, we're done with the goats, yeah. So now we're back to the drawing board, and, uh, but nobody told me about this one particular weed. This one particular weed, there's a picture of it, or actually, here's, here's a picture of our little swimming pool. Yeah, do the, do the swimming pool picture. We put, you know, and as a dad... What I want to do is I want to provide a really good experience for my kids and a, a good place to live and where there's good schools. And so we kind of moved up to Yucaipa for lots of those reasons, right? And uh, so we're on the Walmart plan. And uh, we went out and got a $200 above ground pool and stuck that in the backyard. But no one told me about these, these weeds, like with these thorns on them, right? There's this incredible weed that's out of control and they cannot be ignored. Your, your, your life is going to be confronted with them. Uh, they're known as the goat heads, I guess. Uh, that's a fair, very good reason. Um, the technical name for them is tribulus terrestris, right? Now that sounds like you're going through the tribulation or something, right? That's uh, but there's lots of names for them. There's, there's the bindi, the bullhead, the burra, gawkora, the, the uh, Bakdi, the caltrop, small caltrops, cat's head, devil's eyelashes, devil's thorns, devil's weak, puncture vine, the tackweed, right? We just call them goat heads uh, in our home. And these things, if you ignore them, they get completely out of control. They've popped all over bicycle tires, the rider mower tires, our soccer balls, the basketballs. We get them all in our shoes. You walk out there and you get about 20 on your shoes and you start crunching when you get onto the cement. And uh, I cannot keep shoes on my kids, you know, but they go outside barefoot and I'm like, guys, put your shoes on. And then about, you know, three seconds later, you hear a scream as loud as a mile away. And sure enough, they stepped on one of these goat heads and, um, but I can't get them to take off their shoes when they get in the house. It's kind of like this weird thing, you know? Um, We actually one time uh, had a friend come over and their kid was jumping on the trampoline and the outside netting was ripped as they do and uh, this kid fell backwards, right? Right? Into a patch of these, you know, goat heads. His back was full. He had like twenty up and down his legs, and was like ah, he's just screaming. We're just pulling them off one by one. And uh, I was sharing the story with uh, my youth group at, down at Packing House, and one of the kids says, "Well, why don't you just plant grass?" <laughs> yeah, come on over. Come on over. I, I would love that. You can do that, right? But. Um, We actually had to take a no-tolerance policy uh, with these goat heads. And uh, after looking them up, uh, I've discovered that they last for seven years. So one of these things, they don't just go away, right? They will sit there for seven years, and they're a seed. And so every, you know, uh, springtime, they're sprouting up new ones. And actually right now is the time to pull them up because coming in late August, all those are going to drop. How many of you guys have these? And battle with them. Okay, we need a class. We need a class to deal with these things. And uh, and as you know, when you're dealing with life and you're dealing with issues and challenges and difficulties, the Lord preaches to you, right? The Lord preaches preaches to you. And as I'm. Out there setting up the pool, and my kids are helping me. I mean, we're we're stepping on these things in the pool, you know. And I can't believe that the pool is still there. I don't know whether they're making them better now, but um, we haven't planted grass. We haven't done all the work to you know do the sprinklers and everything. But these things are um, out of control. I found out that other countries like India. They've used them uh, medically. It's supposed to be good for kidneys and bladders and other issues. And uh, the Chinese have used them for increase of energy. And uh, in the U.S., they're starting to uh, use them as a diet- dietary supplement. And uh, I, I'm, I don't know what these people are thinking, but they might be thinking like me, looking at their backyard going, dude, how can I make some money off of this? <laughs> right? And I'm, this might be our cash crop here. I don't know, but... Uh, you know what, and, and as I'm dealing with these, and even this morning, I went out there and we just have this no tolerance policy and we're plucking them all off. And here's, here's one of the great secrets. I, I looked up YouTube. This one guy has this, like this roller machine and it will pick them up and just put them in a little catcher and dump them off into the trash. And uh, I haven't figured that out yet, but what I've done is I've gotten a large piece of cardboard and I just put the cardboard down on the ground, walked over it pump, 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 got up and pull that thing up. And there's like a hundred of them <laughs> and just put them all in the trash. And I just kept doing that and kept doing that until we de-goathead this whole area. And that's how we were able to even just get the pool up there. But I'm, the point being is that a lot of times I'm looking for peace. Uh, I'm looking for a place to where I can kind of chill out an oasis, a sanctuary, and, uh, but in the wrong places. I'm looking for it sometimes externally. And, and it, we're probably doing this now, you know, more than ever of how crazy our world is, right? Of how crazy our world is. We're looking for a place to where we can rest. We're looking for a place to where we can kind of chill out. And sometimes just because of our culture is just so out of control, We're looking for escapes and a lot of times unhealthy escapes. And we're seeing a lot of people fall into these pitfalls. But there's there's healthy escapes, and and this might be you know one of them of just providing a a place where we can cool down. We don't have central AC in the home. It's an older home, it's a 57 home. Lots of character, right? Which is what we signed up for. And which is what we signed up for. (laughs) No central AC, but we, we just cool down in the pool. And but a lot of times we're looking for peace in the wrong places. We're looking for peace here. We're, we're never really guaranteed that, are we? The, the Lord hasn't really guaranteed us, you know, peace externally. And uh, I, I love the song that we sang this morning is that afflictions eclipsed by glory. And that just, you know, hammered me this morning. Like there's these afflictions. There's these goat heads. There's these things that will cause a great disruption in your life. But compared to the glory of the Lord, that these things become insignificant. Now, we've kind of gotten ourselves a little bit trained uh, with these caltrops, with these bullheads, these goat heads, you know, and we've kind of learned to walk differently. It's changed our walk. You know, we'll walk outside. We're kind of like tiptoeing and edging on the the side of our feet. And if if we do step on one now, it's like not even a big deal. You just pull out and you know, check it away. We've kind of gotten used to it. Um, but if you got your Bibles this morning, I want you to open up to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to take a look at some of these verses. Um, and I love Peter. You know, sometimes we get down on Peter. He was the one that, of course, as you know, denied the Lord three times. But he was also the one that walked on water. He was the one that uh, was used in a mighty way in the book of Acts. Um, His life was completely changed. His name was changed from stone to rock. And uh, so we've got an incredible story here as Peter gives us some personal inside scoop, story, plan to tell us how things are going to pan out, where things are going. And uh, I love YouTube as a resource when I'm putting things together and trying to learn something new. Uh, Because it shows you a video from beginning to end of how this thing is supposed to look and how it's put together. And uh, we can just follow, follow those instructions. We have that for our faith. We have an instruction of what it looks like from beginning all the way to end. So that way we can be encouraged. So that way when you come to that challenging part through the directions that you don't uh, give up on, on the whole plan. But let's pray together as we get into it this morning. And Lord, we just give you thanks for your word. We thank you for your church. I thank you for the work that you're doing here at Sanctuary Church. Lord, that in you, it's you. You are our sanctuary. You are our shield. You're our fortress. You're our rock, our lighthouse in the midst of this crazy culture, in the midst of this crazy world. Thank you, God, for sustaining us. Thank you, God, for making us puncture-proof, Lord, for the work that you've done in our life. And help us, Lord, to continue to trust you and be encouraged this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, we're going to pick it up here in verse 3, but just know that the book of 1 Peter, one of the main themes is, is hope, right? And if you have hope, that's what can keep you going, right? It's not our bank accounts. It's not, you know, the benefits, but it's having hope and hope in the Lord. And that's what we've done as believers, right? Peter writes this in verse three. He says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. There it is, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So a couple of things in this verse that kind of jump out to me. One is this little term here, abundant mercy, right? And you know what mercy is. Mercy means that, you know, it's, you're going easy on somebody. If you're gonna play the game of mercy, you're grabbing somebody's hands and you're squeezing as hard as you can until the other person cries out, mercy, which means let up, go easy on me, right? And so the Lord is, has abundant mercy towards us. And sometimes it doesn't necessarily look like that, but he's, he has a merciful heart right and he goes easy on us and that's that's my prayer many time when i'm praying for others is lord just be merciful because there's a lot of people just getting hammered getting hammered like through this the crazy culture that we live in and you know uh the health issues that are taking place and losing family members and you know all of the the crazy things that are happening in our culture lord Have mercy. We need abundant mercy. This is what God's heart is like. You know, no one has seen the Father at any time. So we don't necessarily know, you know, who the Father is. But the Bible tells us that if we can look at Jesus, that we actually will understand who the Father is. And we're wanting at the deepest inward parts of who we are. We're wanting to get that affirmation and that connection from our Heavenly Father. You know, and, But not knowing what his character is like, we have to kind of guess sometimes. But you don't have to. If you look at Jesus and you look at who he is, Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Right? And so when we look at Jesus, he fed people, he talked to people, he encouraged people, he took the blow, he, um, he, he had a heart for people and he healed disease, he had the power over weather. And if this is what Jesus has done, then this is what our heavenly father is like. And so our heavenly father has a tender heart towards us. He's not the mean, you know, dad, he's not the mean one saying, when are you going to get your act together? Now come on and, you know, let's get going here but he has a tender heart. He's full of abundant mercy. This is what God's heart is like, right? And it says that he's begotten us again to a living hope. Now, a living hope is different than the hope sometimes that we're looking for. You know, for many of us that live in Southern California, you know, we're, and this seems to be kind of across the board as you, we, I, I talk to people and interact, and even in my own life, you know, we're kind of in some way hoping to kind of hit, you know, a, a lottery, you know, somehow, some way, you know, whether it's through a lottery ticket or a, a, a medical injury and just, you know, or, or getting the patent on thing or, you know, something. And it's like, you know, this is just our hope, you know, just to get, get this thing going. So that way we can start reaping some of the benefits and I won't have to go to work all the time and you know, that we can spend more time, you know, doing what we want. And you know what? And, and this, is, this is okay. That's an okay plan. But when we're putting all of our hope into this thing to get external peace, th- this is the wrong direction for us. I don't know if you saw on the news, but uh, recently billionaire this weekend, Chris Klein, who uh, had made his, his money off of the, the coal mine industry in Illinois, he died in a helicopter crash a uh, day before his sixty-first birthday. Uh, his daughter, who was age twenty-two, uh, she had three friends on the helicopter, and uh, and that they all all died. And I was watching the news with my kids, and and we were just kind of you know making a comment, you know, just how how sad it's it's sad, and it's unfortunate, um, but it is kind of interesting that the thing uh, that he uses money for was the very thing that kind of you know ended their lives and um and you know the things that we're putting our hope in the things that we're putting our trust in may not be the best thing for us you know the lord made us he knows us he came to us he walked with us he died for us and he rose from the dead all of the things That we want to be able to to know and to be encouraged in. The Lord walked in all of those things. It's kind of like the YouTube video. We can see what had happened from beginning to end. Jesus came. He was born. He learned how to walk, talk, read. He lived a life. He he had all kinds of suffering in his life. He died on the cross. But what happened after he died on the cross? He rose from the dead. Listen, if we're followers of Jesus, we're going along the same path path that Jesus went if he's our master if we're disciples of Jesus we're going to follow the same trend the same pattern of following after him of seeing persecution of seeing suffering in our life and then that's when we think oh no you know what's going wrong what what bad thing have I done in my life that you know all of these things are taking place and you know my wife and I we've been married 22 years but Uh, It took 13 years, you know, before we were able to have children. And, you know, during that time, there were seasons and times that we were thinking, you know, what have we done wrong? What's wrong with us that, you know, God is punishing us? You know, kind of uh, saying the same things that Job's friends were. But you see, there's something different going on, which is what we're going to get to this morning. But we have a living hope and it was displayed for us. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If this is where it goes, then I find it a little bit easier to submit to the plan of suffering. I find it a little easier to submit to the plan of tribulations and hardships and the goat heads in our feet, and maybe not, you know, getting all that we want here on this earth. Maybe our renovated home will just stay a, a half-house. You know, it's, you know, some of the walls and ceilings are still primer. It hasn't been painted yet. You know, there's areas where there's termites that, you know, have to be addressed. Some wood replacement. The driveway is all cracked and, you know, that's going to have to be replaced. Maybe that plan will never come together. Maybe we'll never get, you know, the backyard landscaped and the patio that we want. But that's not where our hope is. Our hope is in following Jesus and that if need be, to go through the trials that we go through in this world, but Jesus rose from the dead. You see, there's more. See, my scope is too small. My scope sometimes is just trying to find the peace and the sanctuaries and the short view, but God's scope goes so much bigger. Look at this in verse four. He's that, he says that we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance Right? This is coming in the future, incorruptible, undefiled, and doesn't fade away. It's reserved in heaven, in another dimension, another place that we can't see, that we don't have in contact with right now. It doesn't fade away. So this inheritance, that's, you know, a word that encourages us. Sure, you know Maybe that's the, the pot of gold that we're looking for sometimes is the inheritance. But God's inheritance is that he is holding back right now for a time and a specific season to give into our lives. We look for our hope in corruptible things, defiled things, and things that fade. But God's inheritance is a bit different. Look at verse five here. In verse five, it says that we are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I like that word kept there. You know, for a long time, I was really certain about you know um, god 's plan for my justification and glorification, and, and, and you know those terms you guys have been going to church for a while here, so you know the terms justification that God has made me just as if i 'd never sinned before, and, uh, and then sanctification this is the process that i 'm going through now uh, to be fit for god 's kingdom and then there 's glorification, and that 's coming in the future. But I've always struggled with the idea of this idea that uh, sanctification is left up to me. And But I love this verse here in verse five. It says that we are kept not by our faith. It says that we're kept by the power of God. God has a keeping power upon us that protects us and that cares for us and that gives us the enduring power to be able to go through all the things that we need to go through, right? So my salvation is really all upon what Jesus has done for me on the cross and that the keeping power is not left up to me, but I'm kept by the power of God, the very one that created the heavens in the universe, the very one that parted the Red Sea for Moses, the very one that rose from the dead, by that power is what I'm kept by. But sometimes we don't feel it, do we? Sometimes we would like a little more keeping protection, power in certain ways. But as we know that the Lord opens up things and allows things to happen for us, to us, for a reason. And we know James 1. James 1 tells us that you know trials are there for a specific purpose so that we can grow, right? But we're kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now that's a season in the future. That's a season that's to come. And so our problem is we don't have a large enough scope on things. Some of us are looking at the scope of life of, you know, a very short season of what's for lunch (laughs) or the daily grind, or the yearly report, or maybe a little bigger, the life achievements. And as you talk to different people, their scope on life uh, and how you know encouraged they are, or how much hope that they have, it really determines on the scope uh, that they have. You know, at the church at the Packing House, I'll often talk to. I, I do some of the counseling and weddings and funerals and hospital visits, and always a blessing to do that. And uh, a lot of times. You know, people will uh, come and they'll be challenged through their marriage as they are, and uh, and it's oftentimes that you know one will come in. You know, sometimes the husband, and he'll say, "I I think I think everything's ruined." You know, there's this thing that had happened. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my marriage. We're not together right now. She's over there. I'm here. I don't see how this is going to work out. And one of my questions that I ask is, I say. Well, what's your goal? What, what would you like to see happen? And, you know, oftentimes, and this is a great answer, is that, well, I'd, I'd like to, you know, for us to stay, get, stay together. How come? Why would you like to stay together? You know, and then you kind of can guess the answers, you know, and which is a great plan as well, we love each other and we want to, you know, have our kids raised in a good home. How come? why would you like to do that right and you see a little question like that i'm trying to get them to increase their scope and their vision i'll say well did you know that marriage is as long as you both shall live right there's god has more there's more in store when you when you look at the scheme of the time plan in eternity there's things going on over here And our life is so short and we're at one little point in our life and we get so concerned and wrapped up in the things that are happening here. Our vision just could be so small. But what is God doing in all of eternity? And so maybe our scope needs to be enlarged. And maybe by taking away some of the things that we're putting our hope in that are short-sighted or aren't necessarily should be the things that we're putting our hope in, that when those things are temporarily maybe taken away, that we can get our scope and put onto the right things. And maybe that's what you're experiencing this morning. And, and maybe some of the things that you're hoping that would work out, or, you know, there's a chance that it may not happen. It may not come together. At, at what your idea is and what you're praying for, and the Lord's just kind of moving it aside, so that way we can get our eyes focused on the right thing. God, wants us to be thinking about eternity notice that we're kept by the power of god through faith it's through faith for salvation to be readied in the last time the word salvation we've kind of minimized the definition of it thinking that it's it's a ticket to heaven but it's much more than that it involves much more than that our salvation includes more than just having a ticket to be with God in eternity. He's talking about a whole healing within our whole selves and who we are and to change our perspective and to change our paradigm now. What we're praying for is that we're praying for that on earth, God, your will would be done as it is in heaven. As it is in heaven, let your will be done on earth. And what God is trying to do is he's trying to get us to change The system that we're working on. And there's two different systems that are working. One is called Babylon in the scripture. And one's called Zion, right? Two different cities. Babylon is a system that we're, you know, getting things by our achievements. By, you know, reaching different levels by our own tasks and what we're able to do. But then there's this other system of Zion, of what God's doing. And that by failures and by death and by being crushed and by losing, that's how we win. And God's trying to get us to operate on that system in a world that doesn't operate on that system. And so there's a lot of letting go. There's a lot of, you know, changing the system that needs to take place. And through all of these things, that's what God is doing. He's changing us onto a different system. And so the married couple, I say, why do you want to do that? Why do you want to stay together? And, and here's, here's the answer. Here's where we're going with that. Is that, God, you've entrusted in me, this other person, that, Lord, they're your child. They belong to you. And Lord, I want to be able to encourage them in such a way that they can flourish and do the things that you've called them to do. And Lord, I want them to be with you in eternity and I want them to walk with you closely. And if we have that goal for each other, then that's where we have our sight on the right thing but it's for if it's for our joy if it's for our pleasure if it's for our reward and sometimes we do this with our kids is that we put too much expectation upon them for them to succeed and to do well so that we can have you know bragging rights with our friends and with our area of influence and because they their behavior directly emulates our character and our ability and I see this just rampant in our culture a parent's kind of you know, doing the, the freak out thing. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe my kid has done this thing. This is going to be so embarrassing to me and my family. It's like, listen, kids go through stuff. They're going to make mistakes. And, and maybe it is a result of what you said or what you're doing. You know, then get on board and just be an encourager. Don't worry so much about your reputation because if you focus so much on your reputation, that's the thing that's actually going to lead it you know, off the cliff. You know, We have to be able to surrender to die. To, we have to surrender to lose. And this is, this is how you win. That's the system God wants to get us on. And then at the last time, then things are going to be revealed. right? And I'm going to get to that in, in the end of our message here. But notice this in verse 6. And this... You greatly rejoice. this is what i 'm greatly rejoicing in that the afflictions are eclipsed by glory by just how much that you love me, Lord right well i i don 't believe that the Lord loves me the way that it 's saying because you know i 'm really going through a hard time i 'm really suffering, and so we question the goodness of the Lord. We question the love of God because we're not living in a place where things are necessarily flourishing at the moment. But listen, go back to the story. Go back to the book. We have the YouTube video. We have lots of case studies to look at. Pick anybody in the Bible. Anyone of them. Moses, Noah, Daniel, Paul, (laughs) you know, Esther. Any one of them. And the first thing God does when he gets a hold of somebody is he crashes the plane. All right. Now we can put this thing together the way that I want it, right? And so maybe you're in that process of God getting a hold of you. The first thing he has to do is just crash the plane and disassemble the whole thing. So he can put it together the way that he wants to to get you onto a different system of off of Babylon, of trying to, you know, get things because of our accomplishments and our abilities and to get us onto a system of submitting to the plan that losing is winning and it it just goes against our culture it goes against the grain it goes against being american like you know what is this but in this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while if need be you've been grieved by various trials the word greatly rejoice there in the Greek, it means totally stoked. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> in Southern California, it means totally stoked that this is what gets us excited. That we greatly rejoice that it's all of the Lord's doing, and I'm submitting to this thing where I'm falling backwards off the trampoline and landing in a pile of goat heads and trusting that God's using this process somehow for good and bigger and deeper ways than I understand right now. And we know that this is true because the very first story that we're given is Job. The very first story we're given is Job. If you look at the Bible chronologically when it was written and we get this long story that's hard for us to read and go through because it's such a long story. But the story is, is that Job was used as an instrument to be able to show the glory and the righteousness of God by taking lots of hits and for his friends to come along and start accusing him and saying, There's something that you're not doing right. And to be able to face all of this and why, you know, the Lord had done this. Actually, we're not even really told. We're not even really told why. Part of the story is that. Through Job's life, it was a testimony for the other side of the world, right, in another dimension to spiritual beings to show who God is. And and the humans were kind of left still guessing, wondering of what was going on. That may be part of it. That may be part of it, but here we're told that there's a need for us to go through various trials, right? You know, people will say, In our world today, for your job or your career, do what you love, you know? And there's a truth to that as far as your, you know, career job. There's a great goal and work and to find your passion and to do that, but not everyone has that luxury. Many people are in survival mode and doing what they have to do to make it. What you do, do you greatly rejoice in it? What's the source that keeps you motivated? What's the source that keeps you going? Some would say, oh, well, I just love cooking, I love gardening, I love my kids, and these things make me happy. What if you're not able to do that anymore? What if you're not able to do that anymore? If need be, we might need the goat heads in our life. There's a battle, right? And the devil is after us. Things are crazy right now. In our culture, in our story, we've seen this you know, incredible thing take place, um, where I think it was about 20 years ago, there was a just a boom of housing. We've seen lots of construction workers living as kings. And uh, man, I could tell you story after story after, you know, what had happened with the construction worker making lots of money and then, you know, leaving a family of 20 years and going for something different. And, you know, that was, you know, taking place in our culture through the housing crisis. And, You know, we're still kind of recovering from that, and families recovering from that. You know, and now with you know kids and social media and everybody having internet and access to things. And I remember the beginning when you know through the social media and MySpace, it was you know kids didn't have to listen to their parents; they could just go stay with their friends and sleep on their couch. And saw that kind of movement going on. Well, it's just it's just kind of getting bigger, and many families suffering, lots of arguments taking place people addicted to pain medications you know crazy things happening out of what is legal even now what's the purpose of all of this is god in control does god know what he's doing this is an exciting time that we live in because it's all things are amped up all things are out look at this in verse seven and we'll that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, the beginning of that verse, it says that the genuineness of your faith would be able to be seen and shown. But the question is really for who? You know, I know that a lot of times I'll kind of, you know, and we all do, put people kind of through a test, and we test our kids to kind of test their faithfulness and their loyalty and, you know, to kind of see where they're at. And, you know, if you're a boss, you know, you might do that for, you know, workers. You kind of test them to see if they're going to be uh, dedicated and loyal to the company. And uh, so you kind of put them through this testing ground. Is this testing of to see if we're genuine? Is it really because God is suspicious of us? that god is not really sure of where our faith lies and that he's putting us through a test so that we could be shown to him and that we really have what it takes i don't believe that is the case and this is a great great misunderstanding that many christians would have is that we would feel that god is insecure with our relationship with him and where we stand. In fact, the very opposite is true. We're the ones that are insecure of the plan and what's happening, and that the testing of this genuineness, it's really for us to be able to see who we really are. It's for us to see what God is really doing God's not the one guessing. God's not the one wondering if we're gonna be faithful or not. Doesn't he already know? Doesn't he already know what our hearts are like? Doesn't he already know who we are? But you see, this testing process, this genuineness is really more for us to be able to see what God is doing in us. Sometimes we get shocked and surprised about things that we're able to do. You know, my kids have been playing sports and um, it's been, you know, a pretty amazing journey. And up here in Yucaipa, uh, two things that are really big is basketball and soccer. You know, for all the kids. All the kids play basketball and soccer. I didn't grow up playing basketball or soccer. I grew up playing, you know, baseball. And we have no baseball going on. Although there is a lot of baseball going on up here in Yukaipa and that's pretty cool. Uh, but my kids have kind of gravitated to the, the soccer and the basketball. My, do- my daughter, uh, last season, her basketball team, um, they had no coach. And so they went, they had like 10 ghost teams and the ghost team means that there's no coach. And so they, we had a little meeting with the head guy. He got all the parents together and he said, Hey, um, there's going to be no, they're not going to be able to play unless anybody steps up. And he just kind of kept talking and talking about his experience until somebody kind of raised up their hand. And I, I, am not a sports guy. I'm a rockin'. I can talk VH1 MTV all day long, you know, like 80s kid. I, but sports, it's just not my thing. And I'm looking around going, are you kidding me? Like, I'm going to have to, whew. and I'm looking at my, you know, thinking of my daughter. I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. So I raised up my hand. I volunteered to be the basketball coach. I hate basketball. <laughs> I'm like, I know nothing. And so for, I watched a little YouTube. First practice came around. Um, I was like, okay, guys, our goal is we're going to make more baskets than the other team. <laughs> I actually said that. <laughs> and uh, at the games, I'd stand on the sideline and all of the you know kids would come over and I'd be like, you know, the parents are in the stands watching. And I'm like, this is fun, huh, guys? Wish we were at Dairy Queen eating ice cream right now. And, right? And the other coach was like, you get out there. You can pass the ball. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, yeah, this is great. And we came in first place. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I was thinking, wow. <laughs> I didn't know I had it in me. <laughs> But I I didn't really do anything. But it it really encouraged me. My last season of my uh, son's soccer team. And um, he's playing and he's out there playing. And he he got one goal and we're all excited. And he actually um, had his arm in a sling because he had had an injury. And he's out there playing soccer. Made one goal and uh, made another one, made another one. He got eight goals in one game. The only one on his team. And uh, he came back all excited and he was like, hey, this, is, this is amazing. I didn't know I had it in me. <laughs> right? This is, this is the reason of the testing of our faith, of going through these things, is that I didn't know I had Jesus in me. I didn't know that this is what it was like. Right? And Hebrews eleven six tells us without faith is it it is impossible to please God, right? And so if I'm operating in a way of my own abilities and my own talents to get something, that is just you have to be derailed. You, you gotta get off that plan. But without uh, being in this place of trusting Jesus and looking like this whole thing may not happen and I I can't believe it and you have no control, you're exactly where you need to be. You're exactly where you need to be. I've got no control. I, I, I don't even have it in me to do this. And Jesus says, let me show you that you've got it in you. I'm gonna put you through the test and it's gonna come out. It's gonna be tested by fire And it's much more precious than gold in the things that we're trusting. We're going to close out with this in Philippians chapter 2. Take a look at this. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 3, or actually um, down here in verse 6, it says... And Jesus, let this mind, uh, verse five, let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men. And what an amazing thing that we would have the same mind of Christ that losing is winning. The image and the picture for us as Christians is a cross. It's a death symbol. So we're gonna die to ourselves. We're gonna have lots of human failure so that we can know that it's his work in us and that we're gonna be tested so that way we know Jesus is in us. This is so encouraging because God's taken my fingerprints off of it. God's taken my control off of it and the bottom line is we're just control freaks and god has to get us in a different place of faith and trust right amen amen and so as the lord is preaching to me pulling weeds (laughs) you know let the lord preach to you as you go through your life and you go through your trial your trial might look a little different but there's no doubt all of you here are going through something And it's causing you pain. It's causing you freak out moments. Don't be a reactor. You don't react to these things. The kids might be doing things or getting involved in things you don't like. And the family might be in chaos. Listen, don't react. And try to, you know, control it. But put your trust in the Lord. Listen to him. And follow in the steps that he has. And sometimes it'll be humiliating. And sometimes it will be painful. And sometimes you might not get the things that you want. But God is going to do a work. And you're going to watch him do the work. And he's going to be glorified through us. That's our goal. That's our goal. And so when we come to a place where somebody asks you, what is it that you want to see happen? What's your goal? I want the Lord to be glorified. I want the Lord to do a work. And whatever that looks like, I trust that he knows better than me. I trust that he's got it going on. And I don't necessarily have to have all of the inside knowledge. And so let's trust him. Let's walk with him to the place of death. Let's pray together as the worship team comes back out. And Lord, we want to put our trust in you. We want to look to you. God, we give you thanks that you know exactly what you're doing. And Lord, you're always right on time. God, we pray for those that are just in the patch of goat heads and they see no way out. Lord, maybe they're exactly where they need to be. Lord, we pray that as we put our trust in you, Lord, as... The afflictions are eclipsed by glory. That's what we need to see. We need to see your glory. We need to see you in us. And Lord, let that be manifested. And the only way for us to be able to see it is that the heat has to get turned on. And so God, when we're shocked and surprised at what's in us, sometimes of the evil things, Lord, we thank you that you're patient and transform, transforming those things. But Lord, we're shocked and surprised of sometimes of the glory and that you use us. And sometimes we don't even want to step out in faith because we're afraid we're not going to see that. We're afraid that God uses everybody else but us. But Lord, let your glory be seen in us as you use our lives, God, that everyone might be able to see you. And whether it's in this life or in the unseen world, God, use us for your purposes. Let this be our goal. Lord, help us not to find temporary comfort in the things that aren't good for us here in this world and help us to let go and to continue to trust you, to walk with you, to honor you. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.